hello, what's up? And welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. You know the drill for these episodes. I asked over on my Instagram for some questions. I got a lot of questions about social media management, social media marketing, entrepreneurship, life, all the things. So we're gonna hop into those. But first, I wanna let you know that I did create a free social media management starter kit masterclass if you wanna check that out. If your questions are really in line with the social media management aspect, you'll definitely enjoy that. So I'll leave the link down in the show notes for you if you wanna join. All right, let's hop in. How much can I charge as a beginner for social media management services? I love this question, but I hate this question because pricing pricing questions are so hard. They really are so personal. There's so many, var- you know, it varies so much. If I have to give you a number, I'm gonna say this. I said this to somebody in my group recently. I don't think that social media managers in most cases should be charging any less than $1,000 a month for their services. You'd really have to press me to find a package or a service that I think is less work than that. So if that's a starting point for you, if you wanna hear a number, hopefully that helps. Um, Obviously that number can go up or down depending on your level of experience, depending on a lot of things, but I think that's kind of a good average, if I had to say, of a place to start. And I think if you're having a hard time finding clients that are willing to pay $1,000 a month for social media management, I would really reevaluate the types of clients that you are pitching to or that you're looking to work with. Was it scary to quit your corporate job? Yes. I don't think I've ever really told the story of how I quit my corporate job. The actual process of quitting, I think a lot of people don't talk about. I was like Googling, like, what's the script? Like, what do I do? Like, what's the process? And I, I don't see it talked about a ton. So yeah, for me, I knew I wanted to do it professionally. I knew I wanted to have good relationships with my, you know, manager. And I also didn't have anywhere that I was going. In the past, when I quit jobs, I was quitting for another job. So I was like, hey, sorry, I can only give you two weeks notice because I have to start onboarding in a couple weeks. Since it was for my own business, I didn't really have that excuse. So that kind of made it a little bit challenging, but I gave a lot of notice. I wanna say I gave like a month and a half's notice. Like I gave a lot of notice just because I my job was important, you know? I was the only person who was managing the paid ads really for this pretty large company. So I didn't wanna just leave people high and dry, if you will. I think I could have given less. I will challenge you if you're in the same position not to only think about your employer because honestly, that month and a half was, or month or whatever it was, it was very stressful for me because I was simultaneously trying to really, you know, get my business to where it needed to be, pitch for new clients and stuff, and also worried about my old job. And then also having the social dynamics of having, you know, the weird vibes of when everyone knows you're quitting and everyone keeps asking you about it. So give yourself a little less time if you can, but also do give your employer enough time to, you know, to figure things out without you. And yeah, I think I just did it really professionally. I just called a meeting. Actually, I think I waited. My direct manager and I had a weekly, I want to say it was weekly or bi-weekly touch base, just a one-on-one meeting. And so I did it there. I just waited until our next one-on-one and said, hey, so I really want to pursue my business. I also had some personal things going on at the time. Uh, so I did, you know, also bring those up as a reason, but I think as long as you have a good relationship with your manager, it's, it's chill. Like my direct manager was really cool about it. Yeah, it was scary, but it felt so good once I did it. Do you see social media being a sustainable career path or just a young man's game? Yes. Social media is here to stay. (laughs) I mean, it's not going anywhere. So yes, it's going to change. It always is 
has changed though. I mean, when I first started doing social media, this was like over 10 years ago, basically. And all there really was, was Facebook, maybe Twitter. I think that was what social media management was. I don't know. I think every generation, every younger, you know, newer generation feels like, you know, it's, it's their game. It's a young man's game, right? Without necessarily always giving credit to the people who've been doing it before and who have been evolving and who have been rolling with the punches forever. There are marketers that I look up to that are in their 50s and 60s. Are you a solopreneur or do you have a team? I also had a question about, did I get someone to edit my video because I did post um, looking for a video editor. So I did hire a video editor that was just for a short term project. It was to help me get my new SMMA course launched. So hugely grateful to that person. They were amazing. And I'm definitely am going to work with them on, you know, an ongoing basis for other projects. I think I will always edit my own YouTube videos just because I really like doing it. And I have a very specific kind of formula for it. And then I actually, I do have an assistant right now and who helps me with my inbox. And I just hired a partnerships manager again. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. Can you be a social media manager slash specialist with an associate's degree? Yeah, absolutely. You don't really need a degree. I mean, it depends. It depends, I'll say. If you are looking to work in corporate, in-house, some of those jobs require degrees. I'm pretty sure both of my corporate jobs did have on the application, whatever the job description that they wanted someone with a bachelor's degree or higher. With that said, I'm finding that more and more employers are very flexible. Like that's like their wish list, what they would ideally like. But if you really do fit what they're looking for, I think a lot of them are a lot more flexible now. And then for your own business, I mean, no one's ever asked me in my business what degree I have. They don't care. I have it up here. I don't think you can see it in this shot. I put it up on my bookshelf because I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this expensive piece of paper. I guess I should probably probably keep it in case anyone ever asked for it. And also, cause it is something I'm proud of. You know, I was the first in my family to graduate from a four year um, college, but yeah, you don't need it. Basically my point is it's, it's a decor in my office. <laughs> I will say though, actually, I did learn a lot from college. For me, being a super introvert, being somebody who was and is very shy, it did really help me with that. I didn't necessarily learn a ton in terms of skills, but I learned how to adhere to deadlines. I learned how to speak in, you know, in front of people. I went to school for film and video, so I learned how to be on camera and how to shoot video. Like, so you do learn a lot, but I also understand it's a huge privilege to be able to go to college and there's a lot of things that you can learn just through experience and other stuff. What to pivot to if social media has been your job for years, but you don't want to do it anymore. I'm seeing this a lot. I, I mean, I don't want to say I'm seeing it a lot. I think what's happening is I'm seeing my audience grow in their careers, which I love. And, and I can relate for sure. You know, social media was a job that I did. I don't know. I, I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand that or they think I'm being like shady or lying about stuff. No, social media was how I started my career. Do I only do social media now? No. Is that what I do all day? No, I do work with social media clients, but I also work with video clients. That's actually how I've made the majority of my money is through video content. I've been very open about that, um, but I wouldn't have gotten those video clients if I hadn't done social media. So I'm just saying that to say, it's natural to like want to grow. And as you kind of get exposed to different areas of marketing, which is a great benefit of working in social media, it's natural to want to expand. So my point in that or the answer to your question, I think there's a lot of different things that you can do. You know, think about what you liked 
or like about your social media management job? Is there one aspect of that that you really enjoy? Like for me, I loved the content piece. I loved creating content for clients, for myself, for you know the business, whatever. I just loved it. So that's kind of what I really leaned into. I also really loved the analytics part of it. And so in corporate, I got promoted to an ads manager type of ads strategist, whatever type of role who really like analyzed data. I found out I didn't like it that much, but you know, lean into if there's an area that you liked about it, it's probably a full, full on job that you could do or a service. If you're looking to freelance, you can offer just content as a service, just copywriting as a service, just ads, you know, and so on. If you want to get out of like social media in general, yeah, you got to follow your heart. I mean, I don't know. You could do a lot of different things and I don't think it's ever really too late to start over. I've honestly, I've thought many times about like, should I go back to school and get a master's degree so I can teach full time? You know, I don't know. And I might, I still might. I don't know. I'm still not that old. So I still have time to do lots of different things. What is the best compliment you've ever received? I love this question. It's putting me on the spot. Um, you know, one that I've received recently on YouTube, like from one of my subscribers is, and it wasn't even a compliment. It was just a comment, but I, I was like, oh my gosh, that was the nicest thing. It was my video about how to work in social media or how to take a break from social media when you work in social media, something like that. And somebody wrote that it was very philosophical. And I was like, was it? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's being on the internet. And I think especially being a woman, people don't often compliment me on anything that goes on in my brain. You know, for, for what I do for a job, obviously, yes, a lot of that is complimenting my brain, I guess, but it's still like complimenting what my brain did for somebody else. Not like, oh, that was a deep comment or that was meaningful or that was interesting or like, yeah, I like the way you think. Obviously, nice compliments about other things are nice and boost my ego or whatever, but like they definitely don't have as much meaning as when you compliment my brain. So I would say that is just a recent one. I don't know if that's the best one I've ever received, but uh, recently and from one of y'all, I would say that was a good one. Any marketing advice for creative entrepreneurs such as artists, crafters, makers, etc.? So I do have thoughts on this. If you don't know, now you know. My mom and I actually put together a coloring book together this past year. My mom is a lifelong artist and she's so talented. And I was like, let's make an adult coloring book. I love it. I'm so proud of it. You guys should check it out. I'll leave a link for you in the show notes as well. Uh, but a lot of my family on my mom's side, it, they're very artistic as well. One of my uncles has like amazing art. I'm going to link his stuff below too, because he's also amazing. So anyway, I have a lot of artists in my family and a lot of a lot of friends and stuff. And my best advice is get on social media. <laughs> you have to market yourself. You know, I think so many creative people, they put everything into their art and that's why we love them. And that's why they create such amazing things that I could never, I could never. But sometimes they neglect that necessary evil of having like a personal brand and really putting time and effort into that. And also I think it's not even so much like, oh, it's not, it's the time that you're not putting into it. But sometimes it is that feeling of burdening people or that feeling of selling. You know, I think an artist and a salesperson are like two different sides of the coin. I think there are rare people like myself, and I'm sure a lot of you all listening who are creative, but also know how to sell or have understood the fact that like we just have to do it. And I think super, super creative people like actually talented makers sometimes lean a little bit away from the sales stuff. So something that helps me is I try to think I'm not selling. I'm not like 
pushing my stuff on people. I am just sharing an offer that is going to help somebody. I have exactly what somebody is looking for or what somebody needs in their life. And so do you. You might have just painted something that would really brighten somebody's day. Why do we why do we have art? Why do we have art in our homes? Because it makes me feel good. It literally, on some of the gloomiest, most depressing days, I look at a piece of art that I've purchased and I smile and I feel good for even if just five minutes. So you have what somebody needs. So keep that in mind that you are serving, you're not pushing, you are really providing something, something that somebody needs. And I do believe that art is a necessity. I don't think it is a luxury. I think we all need it um, in some way, shape or form. I've got several questions actually about this. Would you be willing to coach me one-on-one? -on -one? Would you ever open spots for one-on-one -on -one or mentorship? Not right now, but I stay, stay tuned, like follow me on Instagram. I guess is probably the best place to find out about it because I did open some up in January. I took on like four coaching calls. I'm just doing it when I have time. My thing is coaching. I don't want to burn out on it. I don't want it to feel like something that, oh, I have to get on this coaching call. It is such a privilege to be able to talk to some of you personally and help some of you. And I love doing it and I don't want to not love doing it. So I don't want to, you know, open up my books like 24 seven and start to resent it. That said, I will definitely open up one-off spots when I can. I probably will not be working like in mentorship packages unless you are an existing client or were a previous client. That's different, but it is, I don't, I don't know if right now I have the space to like start a new long-term relationship, just being honest, because it is a lot of work. Also, actually, one of the things that I'm adding on to SMMA this round is that if you pay in full, you actually get one one-on-one -on -one call with me, which I've never done before. You can use that to review assignments together. You can use that just for a general personal Q&A. You can use that just to like hang out, do a little co-working session together, whatever you want to do. So if you are planning to join SMMA, try to pay in full if you can, because you will get a one-on-one -on -one with me as well. Favorite work music. I don't listen to music when I work. Do you all let me know in the comments? I love music. I cannot, I cannot. For a while I was doing classical music. I have a playlist of like, it's called LJ's classical bangers. <laughs> Cause I was trying to teach myself how to like classical music. And I found some that are like, you know, they go hard. Um, but if it has words in it, it distracts me. And even the classical stuff was, I was finding it was really distracting me. I just pay too much attention to the music. I think, cause I do like music so much. I get too into it. So I honestly just work in silence. If it's just super quiet, you know, and creepily quiet, I will put on a podcast or like TV, like in the background. Like I very rarely sit and watch TV. I'll just like have something on in the background but I don't do music. I'll link like my title playlist or something if you wanna see what I listen to in the car. Okay, this is a really good question. Going freelance in the upcoming recession economy, do you think the option is viable? Yes. A lot of studies actually point to freelance work kind of thriving in recessions. So I never wanna say, oh, I'm happy or excited about a recession because obviously there's a lot of other challenges involved in that. It's not that simple. And obviously I'm not happy for people getting laid off. Like I'm a, I'm a nice human being, but yeah, a lot of research does show that actually freelance work thrives because so many people are getting laid off. Those people still are going to need people to do their marketing. It's just, they can't afford to hire, you know, people full time and pay them benefits and all that stuff, but they might be able to hire a contractor, you know, for half the, the that person's salary or whatever. So I think we'll be okay. I think you need to just adapt, you know, and, and I've adapted, lean into what is being asked of you. If you're finding that everybody is wanting ads 
I don't know, just an example in this economy and they're not wanting to pay for like organic copywriting or something, lean into that. Like you might not love doing it, but if it means saving your business, would you do it? Yeah. I got a couple questions about the AI thing. I did a whole video or podcast episode about that. So I'm not really going to answer those specifically, but yeah, that's something that, yeah, probably if there is a huge recession, companies are going to be like, cool, we don't need a copywriter anymore, but you can still position yourself maybe as a copy editor. You have to be flexible and adaptable to what's going on in the market. I think there are gonna be certain industries. If you look, there's certain industries that are kind of recession proof. So maybe you wanna start tapping into that as a part of your niche or as one of your niches that you serve. So I think just keep an open mind, be flexible. Don't be so married to how things are and how things were when everything was super lush and you know amazing but we'll get through it. I have confidence in us all. (laughs) How do you develop content pillars and strategy when you have too many interests? Tie it back to offers that you have. I love a lot of things. I'm super multi-passionate. Like I said, I love music. I love art. I love smoothies, (laughs) you know, healthy eating, plant-based food. Those are not content pillars for me. I mean, I talk about those things sometimes, but not really. And also it's important to differentiate your personal content versus your business content. And this is something I'm still really trying to work at because I still conflate them and it becomes a really emotional mess for me. But yeah, when it comes to YouTube content or podcast content, I'm not gonna talk about my favorite vegan food or whatever, like, no, because not only do like 99% of you not care, but also, because I don't have an offer that is related to that. Maybe if I only served vegan food brands as a social media manager, then I could talk about that because that would make sense. That would capture the attention of vegan food brands and show that I knew about the market, the industry. So yeah, but I don't I don't do that. So that doesn't make sense. So you have to tie your content pillars back to what you can actually offer. There's also another aspect to it, which is kind of the function of each of those pillars. Like, what do I want people to do? So some pillars are more geared towards engagement or entertainment or inspiration, whereas others are persuasion and actually, you know, convincing people or encouraging people to purchase from you. So you wanna make sure that you tie each of your content pillars into one of those kind of buckets as well, and that you have all those bases covered. You don't wanna just do content pillars that are all about engagement, like, oh cool, I'm posting trendy stuff. You know, you see this a lot, like super trendy stuff that is gonna make people laugh and make people share it, but they're not actually gonna ever buy anything from me, unless you just wanna be an entertainer, in which case go for it. I just got so distracted because I just got a text message cold call. (laughs) Hi, Latasha. This is Maria. Sorry for reaching out this way, but I found your podcast and I can triple the number of listeners. Are you open? How did you get my phone number? Okay. I got to figure this out. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out the social media management class if you're interested. I'll link it in the resources as well as a couple other things that I mentioned. And thanks so much as always for tuning in. I really appreciate you all. And I'll talk to you in my next one. Bye.